Coming up on the WAC podcast, California Baptist sweeps the cross-country championships and Stephen F. Austin and Utah Tech go down to the wire and it was a shocker. Kendra Sheehan was on the scene. She'll give us her first-hand account. Also, the women's soccer tournament going on in Seattle, Washington. Very rainy Seattle, Washington. The Red Hawks are the number two seed. Utah Valley, the number one seed, could be a fun final uh, going in on Friday and Sunday. Plus, we have men's soccer, final week of the regular season, and volleyball just two weeks left. That's all ahead on the WAC Podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. We crowned our first champions of the fall. Congratulations to California Baptist winning the men's and women's cross-country championships. Eric Danner with Kendra Sheehan. Kendra, you were on the scene in Nacogdoches last week where it was a kind of a sloppy track. It was it was rainy, it was muddy, but uh, CBU was able to, pers- to uh, pull through as the uh, WAC cross-country champs. Yeah, it was not super pleasant in Nacogdoches uh, that Friday. That was the practice day. I actually got the worst of it. It pretty much rained through throughout the entire uh, team set up practices when they had their, their times where they could come run the course. Um, but what they did say was it, it must've been really hard ground before that, because with all the rain, they said it just really, it didn't make it like super soggy. So it was just, uh, you know, a little, uh, a little bit wet, but it wasn't terrible. And then on race day, it was misting, but we didn't really have too much rain. And yeah, California Baptist, you know, they sweep the men's, they sweep the women's. Um, on the men's side, they had, you know, they went one, two, three with their men's runners finishing. Saeed McCall won it for CBU, 22 minutes, 58.6. And then on on the women's side, it was Everlyn Kemboy for Utah Valley. That's a name that we heard quite a bit uh, in outdoor track and field. She's really solidified herself as quite the distance runner. She she finished 30-plus seconds ahead of her second competitor, which I believe was from California Baptist. It was uh, Petrova. Yep, from yeah, isn't that Petrova? And, uh, yeah, but Everlyn Kemboy with the time in 19 19 minutes, 33 seconds, 0.9. So she was, she was fast out there. Um, but really, really exciting for California Baptist. Uh, they continue to just solidify themselves as one of the top, you know, running programs in our league. And, and they're really getting some national attention as well. Yeah. Ranked in the top 25, both men's and women's right now, second time in three seasons that they swept the cross country championships for the men three championships in a row as well. So they are definitely uh, building on that D word dynasty in uh, whack cross country for sure. And then you stuck around uh, on your 27th uh, day after your 27th birthday. That's right. For football uh, against Utah tech, Stephen F. Austin taking on Utah tech. Every time I checked on this game, somebody else was in the lead. It looked like SFA might then pull away. And then Utah tech comes back. Utah Tech had just one win coming into that. The one win was over Division II Shadron State. Stephen F. Austin was ranked number 19 in the country. We've seen Stephen F. play these close games week after week, and they figure out a way usually at the end to pull it out. But this this past week, that did not happen. 
No, it and it the ending was probably the, the craziest part. You know, Utah Tech was up 47 44. Really, at the last the last quarter, it was like they, you know, one would score a touchdown, the other would respond. You know, nobody really got too far in the lead after kind of Stephen F. Austin caught up because Utah Tech was up by two scores at one point during the game. And then they, uh, Stephen F. Austin caught up to them. But yeah, it came down to this final play. Initially, they thought the game was over. The Stephen F. Austin player was short at the one yard line. And so uh, the game clock had ran out and, and Utah Tech was like, it's us. But they uh, reviewed it and they realized there was still one second left on the clock. So SFA one yard out has one opportunity. Do they, do they kick a field goal and tie it and go to overtime? Well, you're one yard out. So head coach Colby Carthel had said after the game, he's like, if you can't, if you can't punch it in from the one yard line to win the game, what are we doing? And they end up doing this sort of like dump pass over the top that uh, from Trey self and um, you know, Utah tech just swipes it down to the ground and they lose. And, it was a pretty insane moment for the trailblazers who had been waiting for this win. That's one of the things that head coach Paul Peterson had emphasized before the game was just like, man, we're fighting all these close games and we're really improving. And I just want our guys to like be rewarded for it. We need that one win. That's going to push us over the edge. And, and so I think that win did it. And not to mention they were playing with their third string QB technically because mm-hmm. their, their other two had gone down with, with injuries throughout the year. So they're playing with Victor Gabalas, who came from Washington state. It's his first year with the trailblazers, his first career start. And man, that guy just lights it up. Five, five touchdowns, uh, 377 yards. He had one interception, but overall, I mean, he made plays and, and, uh, was a huge factor. Of course, Joey Hobart had three touchdowns. The wide receiver has been an all-star, but that that's a new duo. And, and, you know, uh, Boone, Abbott Boone, I believe is, is a guy who their other quarterback, he might be coming back from an injury and then they're, they're number one guy. And so I think they got a quarterback battle. If all three of those guys get healthy at some point, because Gabalas really lit it up when he needed to. Yeah. Victor Gabalas, our ticket smarter player of the week with that five touchdown performance and Joey Hobart, they connected with under a minute to go. I think it was about 47 seconds left for that final touchdown. Joey Hobart just sneaks it into the end zone there to give Utah Tech that lead. And yeah, who would have thought, especially when they put that one second back on the clock, they're on the one-yard line, Stephen F. Austin we're talking about, and they did not convert on that uh, touchdown. They, they, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks, hey, it's an easy field goal going to overtime. But as you mentioned, Colby Carthel's not going to kick a field goal to go into overtime uh, when they're at home and they're on the one-yard line. Right. And it was homecoming in Nacogdoches. Like he was like, let's, let's go for it. And so, you know, I think a lot of people questioned and I've seen, you know, question that play call of why not just run it in or, you know, different things. But he was like, you know, it's, it's, it's what we decide at the time. It's things that we practiced. And so, yeah, it was a heartbreaker for SFA who's had a few, few close heartbreakers this season, but a huge moment for, for Utah Tech. Utah Tech the week before gave Sam Houston a really good run as well, where the Bearcats won 18 to 13. Sam Houston winning their fifth game in a row last week, 40 to 21 at Tarleton. That was one Tarleton had been playing pretty well that you thought, hey, maybe the Texans have a good chance. I believe that was their homecoming as well, Kendra. But uh, Sam Houston seems to be on a bit of a roll right now. Sam Houston is on a bit of a roll. And actually I got a chance to speak with uh, Tarleton's head coach, Todd Witten ahead of this weekend's game, which will be 
uh, Abilene Christian at Tarleton and, and coach Witten was just like, man, we were doing so well. And it was just the turnover bug that got to them. So, um, you know, they, they really struggled against Sam Houston, but the, the Bearcats are really starting to find some rhythm. Cody Cress making some pretty unbelievable plays. Um, we talked to him at media days. So, yeah. They look like they're rolling. Yeah. The other game last week, uh, you mentioned you're going to be seeing Abilene Christian this week. They lost at North Dakota. Of course, North Dakota traditional FCS power, uh, always ranked in the top 25, 34-31 on the road. So I know Abilene Christian wanting to win that one, Kendra, and, and you had a ch- chance to talk with Coach Keith Patterson in advance of this game that you're going to be doing on Saturday. But I, I'm sure they, they, they're not about moral victories, but that's that's a pretty good showing at North Dakota. Yeah, he's he's definitely proud of his guys, and, and you're seeing a bunch of, you know, um, their quarterback and and uh, wide receiver, I believe it's Kobe Clark, who's mm-hmm. who's done some pretty incredible things. He was, and to mention that that guy was a walk-on who now he broke the program record that I think is currently, or was currently held by one of their, I want to say running backs coach or one of the coaches on that staff. And so pretty cool storyline there, but they, they've been, They've refocused. They're ready. This is a big conference matchup. You know, they want to see themselves at the end of the regular season facing off against Stephen F. Austin for what would they would like to be, you know, that that conference championship kind of game. And not only that, Kendra, this will be a uh, rivalry game. Abilene Christian, Tarleton, not too far apart. Uh, they they played each other for a number of years. And, and there's, there's a little more to this game than than just the – uh, that it's on the schedule this week. Now, according to the stat sheet, it doesn't look like ACU has traveled to Tarleton since 2011. Wow. So pretty big. And Tarleton recently expanded their stadium. So there's a lot more uh, seats available. So it should be should be a good showing. And yeah, it's definitely a rivalry. You got a couple guys who um, grew up in Stephenville and are playing for Abilene or grew up in Abilene and are playing for Stephenville. You know, you have that kind of rivalry. So this is a big one, uh, big one for both teams. The other WAC game this week, another big rivalry, one that you went to as well, Southern Utah playing Utah Tech. Of course, when uh, Incarnate Word Lamar withdrew from the schedule, kind of left some holes open. So we're seeing a few teams play each other twice this year. Southern Utah, Utah Tech is, is one of those matchups. This week isn't the conference game uh, that was earlier in the season, but the way Utah Tech's playing right now seem to be playing much better than they were earlier in the season. Southern Utah also have been playing very well, so that'll be a fun one to watch. That's also going to be in St. George this week. I do believe it's also Utah Tech's homecoming, so, you know, with two schools just down the road from each other that have a lot of hatred in terms of a friendly, healthy rivalry, uh, should be should be a fun one for uh, both teams to, uh, you know, Southern Utah looking to sweep the season and spoil homecoming while Utah Tech looking to prove, hey. So, so you are in a in Arlington at the moment, going to be heading to Stephenville this weekend. I am in Seattle for the WAC Women's Soccer Tournament in a uh, very nice hotel room at the moment. The uh, weather outside is frightful, but here inside it's delightful, as they <laughs> as they say. Uh, a little bit rainy, Christmas. a little bit chilly, uh, as is in the brochure sometimes for Seattle in November. But uh, we're going to have more on the soccer tournament in our second segment. Had a chance to talk with Chris LeMay today, the uh, Utah Valley Wolverines, the top seed in the conference. Also, Heather Steinberg, the WAC Player of the Year offensively, and 
Jenna Shepard, the WAC Defensive Player of the Year. Also going to have uh, some sound from Chris Sissel. Uh, always fun to talk to the coach at Grand Canyon, and then Rob Bartz as the uh, New Mexico State Aggies were victorious on Wednesday night as well. But men's soccer, you're going to be heading to Riverside. So you got a, a lot of traveling coming up, Kendra. So not oh, only are yeah. you going to Stephenville, you're going to turn around on Monday and go to Riverside? Yep. And we're and going. We, we... What? And sorry, so part of that, hey. obviously, we have the men's <laughs> soccer tournament happening in Riverside, but – you're going to start things off with the basketball, whack basketball starting on Monday for real. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of uh, exhibitions, those kind of things going on uh, the past few weeks, but uh, the regular season starts on Monday. And you talk about a full slate. All 13 men's teams will be playing either at home or on the road on Monday. And I think we have nine women's teams that are also going to be playing on Monday because they can't wait to get started. You're going to be doing sidelines at CBU, I think the first first game of the year in the WAC. You right know, it just it just might be. Looking <laughs> forward to uh, the women will start on uh, on Monday. We'll do that game first. They play, play UC San Diego, and then it'll be the men taking on Long Beach State at 7 p.m. Pacific time. The women get underway 2 p.m. Pacific time. So very excited to be able to uh, be a part of that, be a part of the first basketball games, and then, boom, switching right over because soccer, we have our, our men's soccer. The The season is almost over. Most teams have just one game I left of the regular season. We have most of our clinchers who have already – uh, secured a spot in the six-team WAC tournament. We're waiting on one more that will be determined Friday night or Saturday. And then also some of these games will be uh, the win-losses will determine seeding. So those first, this seed number one, seed number two, earn those buys to the semifinals, which can be a big deal in soccer. Those guys are just running for 90 minutes straight. <laughs> so should be uh, should be pretty fun over the next week. Yeah, they, yeah, there's a lot to prep for, and you're going to be uh, the analyst for our WAC men's soccer tournament, so looking forward to that. Jumping back to basketball real quickly on, on opening night there uh, with all 13 men's teams playing. We have five that are playing Power 5 schools right off the bat. Tarleton's going to be at Arizona State. Sam Houston will be at Oklahoma. UTA making the trip to Oklahoma State. We have UTRGV going to Kansas State as well. And there's going to be several teams at home, including CBU, where you're going to be. Grand Canyon plays at home against Montana State. New Mexico State will open their season at home against New Mexico Highlands. And we also have uh, Abilene Christian opening uh, their new arena or revamped arena against Jackson State. That'll also be on Monday night. So plenty of action to watch in uh, in the WAC. Waction, as they used to say. Waction. Hashtag. Yeah, we're getting uh, underway. Volleyball. I mean, basketball's here already. Can't even believe it. Volleyball also heading down the home stretch here. And as I'm in Seattle, uh, there is a match here tonight as uh, the hotel I'm staying at, Kendra. I know this is fascinating for everybody. Uh, the UTRGV Vaqueros uh, staying at the uh, same hotel here in Seattle as they play the Red Hawks tonight. UTRGV tied for first. Right now they're 9-1 and one in the WAC. They're 20-5 and five on the season. Seattle U still searching for that first victory of the year. That'll be uh, one of the matchups tonight. Uh, UTRGV has already clinched a spot in the WAC tournament 
as has Utah Valley and Stephen F. Austin. So three teams with two weeks to go already have their spot set. First, the Vaqueros will be hosting the AWAC Volleyball Tournament here in a couple of weeks as well. So plenty going on. We're going to talk about women's soccer when we come back on the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires, Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner along with Kendra Sheehan. I am in Seattle. She is in Arlington, Texas right now. WAC Women's Soccer Tournament underway. We had the first round on Wednesday. First matchup, Kendra, New Mexico State knocking off California Baptist 1-0. And one of the big things, and you'll notice this next week uh, when you're at the men's tournament, overtime rules are different now that we're in tournament play and in the NCAAs. In the regular season, no overtime at all. If you ended a tie, you ended a tie. In postseason now, they play two 10-minute overtimes no matter what. So there's no golden goal. It doesn't matter if you're up, if you score two goals in that first overtime, you're playing the second overtime no matter what. So an extra 20-minute period. Um, we saw that happen with New Mexico State and California Baptist. It was a 0-0 tilt for uh, most of the match before the Aggies finally found the back of the net. And that was a goal by Sophia Beerworth in the 98th minute of that match. We have Andrew Harvey and Stephanie Verdoya. They chatted with Rob Bartz, the head coach of the Aggies, after the match. You know, honestly, she's just been doing it all year long. You know, we, you know, I talked to you guys a little bit about it last night that, uh, you know, at any moment now we could switch into a, a 3-5-2, which is going to release Sophia. One of the things we said was if we're going to score, it's going to come from that area out wide. And Soap made it just a fantastic run and, and just got in a great spot and what a great finish. Yeah, so a fantastic win. Don't want to take it away from you, Coach. What is something that, that you want to see more from your team? Because I, I get the sense from you that maybe this wasn't the team soccer through you know through 100 minutes, however much they played, that you wanted to see. So so what's the one more thing and that they need for the night to go on? You know, we battled well. We just didn't play. Like, we just didn't play. I, don't, I, I was, uh, you know, I don't want to be hard on my team. I'm just so ecstatic for them and, and, and great hard-fought battle. But it, I just don't think it was a good enough performance to do what we really want to do, and that's when this whole thing. We talked about her kind of at length when we spoke yesterday, but McKenna Galt shocked now. Nine clean sheets on the season. Of course, the back line in front of her helps, but but just insane between the sticks tonight. Do you come to expect that from her, or is this something even a level beyond that? Honestly, uh, she she never surprises me anymore. She's so good. I mean, that save, I think you guys probably – I mean, I, I'm, I was like, oh, whoops. We're, we're dead. And she literally, you know, come. I don't I don't even know what stuck out. I, was her foot? I don't even know what happened. It was uh, like, truly, she just does it all the time. The other semifinal matchup, Grand Canyon taking on Utah Tech. And Kendra, this was the Trailblazers' first ever uh, postseason appearance in the WAC in a team sport. As we, you know, that rule had changed this year. I kind of championed by Commissioner Brian Thornton, where Utah Tech is eligible to play in all postseason tournaments. Yeah, very exciting uh, what Commissioner Thornton is doing with allowing these transitioning schools to be able to participate in the postseason conference tournament. Obviously still still not at that national level, but very, very cool and, and a, a great opportunity for a young program transitioning to, to get their feet wet in the postseason. So Utah Tech was the four seed, GCU the five seed. Of course, GCU, 
the defending WAC champions, and they are a high-scoring outfit. Now, when they played in the regular season, GCU only won 1-0, and Utah Tech really packs it in on the on the defense. They have five back, as I'm told, uh, since you're a soccer aficionado, Oof. that uh, means no. you know you have more defenders in the back, and it's harder to score on. The uh, the the GCU Lopes cracked the code. One of the things I learned uh, during this tournament. Uh, 17 goals by Gianna Gorley. She's third in the nation in the regular season, uh, number one in the WAC. But the second leading goal scorer for GC only had four goals. So you could kind of key on Gianna Gorley knowing that she's going to be the one to score the goals. But guess what? Uh, two other players find the back of the net first for the Lopes, Leah Pirro and Ani Jensen. And if you see the Ani Jensen, that thing was a rocket off her foot in the uh, 39th minute. Kind of interesting that uh, uh, Coach Sissel tries to really uh, watch Gianna Gorley's minutes. He does not want her to get injured at all. Uh, you know, her being a, a premier player might take a few shots, maybe a few more shots than other players, especially since she's going to be up near the goal. Had taken her out of the match. Gianna Gorley convinced Chris Sissel to put her back in the match in the second half, and she scores a goal, and he promptly took her out as soon as she did that. So they went 3-0. to zero. But uh, here's what Coach Sissel had to say after the match. Congratulations. A big 3-0 win for your side tonight. Just talk us through, did this match manifest the way you thought it was going to when you were looking at everything coming into today's match? Uh, I mean, I thought our girls played really well. Played really well right from the get-go. I was really proud of the team. I mean, Utah Tech's a really, really good team. Molly's done a phenomenal job since she's been there. Um, So, obviously, we even came in as the five seed playing against the, the four. So... Um, I, you know, I had a lot of confidence coming into the match that we've been playing really good. You know, we've been in really good form, been scoring some goals. And um, I think one of the things I'm probably the most proud of tonight is in a in a playoff game like this uh, with only allowed to have 22 on the active roster, we got 20 players in. So uh, we have a huge match, you know, in 48 hours or 46 hours against the best team in the league, uh, against a great Utah Valley team. So I thought we did a really good job of managing the game, making sure we won, making sure we scored goals, making sure we kept the shutout, but also keeping all the key players as fresh as possible for Friday night. Yeah, so talk to me about that, because from our understanding, I thought you were going to keep Gianna Gorley out nice and fresh, but you tell me there had to have been a conversation <laughs> on that sideline where you were like, we're putting her back in for another five minutes, and lo and behold, she puts the icing on the cake. Yes, that's pretty much exactly right, Stephanie, as we were like, you know, I mean, she had so many chances in the match, and she she wanted to score, we wanted to keep her fresh. I love her mentality. She's always mad at me every time I take her off the pitch. Every time I take her out, she's mad. She always wants to play. Uh, but it's that tough balance of you want to keep your, your, your goal scorer scoring, you want to keep her confidence up, but you also want to make sure she's fresh. So pretty much I was like, all right, I'm going to give you another chance to go back in and get yourself a goal. And then as soon as you get that goal, we're getting your butt back out here, <laughs> wrapping you up in bubble wrap for Friday night. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Coach, our last question, you know, we, we talked about just the, the lack of drop-off, particularly along that attacking band where, you you know, you're able to, to put in the likes of Jensen and, and Schwartz out on the wing and, and really still kind of execute the same way that you would with your, your starting 11 out there. I mean, how big a blessing is that for you as a coach and, and as a team? Well, that, yeah, that's kind of the key to our success has been our depth and our opportunity to bring people in off the bench. And I was really, really proud. What a, what a goal from Ani Jensen. That was an absolute bomb, left-footed bomb from, I don't even remember how far out it was, but it was a great goal. I thought Magda, I thought Magdalena came in and really added a lot. Um, I really thought everybody off the bench was really good. And I think that's what was something that's 
uh, that we're proud of as a coaching staff and proud of as a soccer family is when we win games like this, you see the whole team celebrating together. We know it's a, it's a team effort. It takes everybody. It's going to take everybody to try to win three games in five days. And so now, you know, we let them enjoy this tonight, and then we start, uh, like I said, start playing and focusing for a great Utah Valley team uh, on Friday night. So, so you can imagine, Kendra, be, being a former soccer player yourself, uh, Gianna Gorley politicking her way back into the match and that Chris Sissel would have the faith uh, in her to, to do that. Yeah, I mean, you got to love it. Of course, you know, great athletes, they want to compete. They don't want to be, you know, limited on minutes, no matter, you know, what the game plan is going forward, because you got to look at it, you know, it, Grand Canyon goes all the way. They're playing three matches in, in five, six days or whatever it is. And, and that's a lot of, of time. Um, and then you look at hopefully, you know, they want to get a bid in the postseason or, you know, they want to win the tournament. And you're looking at the postseason. So there's, you still have to be smart and, for all you whack podcasters, I'm doing this in the dark because I'm committed <laughs> to this to this podcast. But yeah, you gotta love a, an athlete who just wants to get back back in the game. And and of course, you know Chris Sissel trusting Gianna Gorley. Obviously, there's a great relationship there. Let's her in, of course. Then, you know, Utah Tech knows she's gonna be the team. She's gonna be the one with the ball. She's gonna you know go for those shots. She's gonna try and score. And so have her do that too. Uh, then you know, all right, all right. Then we'll pull her out. It makes sense. So pretty pretty cool moment for Gianna Gorley, just solidifying herself as just an absolutely dominant striker in this nation, in this it, nation, in the country. And GCU, their their reward, they get to play the top team in the WAC this year. Utah Valley. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they uh, they finish with the number one seed. The, the uh, feeling, Kendra, here is that there's a really good possibility now, uh, I'm sure the Utah Valley folks wouldn't want to hear this, is if Utah Valley, for some reason, gets upset either in the semifinals or the championship, that we could get two teams from the WAC into the NCAAs based on the RPI ratings where uh, Utah Valley is currently in the top 40 uh, based on their RPI. So they have a real shot at potentially getting an at-large bid to the NCAAs, and if, you know, I'll be, whoever our, the tournament winner is would get the AQ. So there is a real uh, opportunity there perhaps if uh, uh, to get two teams in, which hasn't happened in quite some time in uh, WAC women's soccer. Yeah. Our men's soccer has been a two bid league last year. Um, they're typically very strong. Our women also, we have a great program, but we just have never hasn't having eclipsed that, you know, two bid league for quite some time. And it's so funny when, you know, you're looking at it from the conference standpoint, you're like, the whack needs to be on the board. Like, let's get two teams in. But of course, Utah Valley is like, no, we're, we, you know, we obviously want to go and, and take the whole thing. So it's <laughs> a great right. place, great place to be in for our league and just shows the quality of players and, and the recruiting that these coaches have done to bring in top notch players to these programs. I had a chance to go out to uh, training, as they call it in soccer, not practice, training. Talking about training. Are you talking about talking practice? About training. <laughs> talking about training. Talking uh, about in practice. The rain, uh, I had a chance to chat with the coach of the year, Chris LeMay, about his team. Seattle, so it's uh, raining a little bit here. Sure is. Um, does that impact uh, any of your training today? I mean, I don't know that it impacts the training as much as it's potentially going to impact the games. You know, I think the, the field's got a lot of games in a short amount of time, so we hope it holds up as well as – it can, but um, you know, we we're, we know we're going to have to deal with adversity, whether it be weather, whether it be, 
you know, who knows what, what could come our way. I mean, we've dealt with a lot of things uh, over the course of the season, and we're going to continue to have the same uh, attitude and mentality is that whatever throw, is thrown at us, we're going to handle, handle it the best way we can and concentrate on what we can control. Um, congratulations, regular season champs. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Heard a theme talking to coaches all week that this might be the best uh, WAC women's soccer league we've seen in some time. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, and I, and I don't even know that that's subjective. I think it's the proof's in the pudding, right? I mean, we've got how many teams in the top 150 in, our, in the RPI? It's way different than it's been in the past, and it's been a, an enjoyable you know, competition season, and every game we know that we've got to come and we've got to play really well to give ourselves a chance to get a result. I mean, I think Grand Canyon's a fantastic team. I mean, they, they've got weapons all over the place. I like the brand of soccer that they play. They play in a similar, you know, system as us. So, I mean, I think that, you know, everybody, including, you know, our players, their players, the, the fans can look forward to a really, really good soccer match. And um, you're going to get to see a lot of talent on the field. Well, we got to score more goals than the opponent tomorrow and then do it again on Sunday. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we just got to keep doing the things we've been doing and, and – um, and see where the chips chips fall. And Utah Valley on the awards board, Kendra, uh, doing very well. Heather Stainbrook named WAC Offensive Player of the Year. Maybe a little bit of an eyebrow raiser, given that uh, Gianna Gorley is uh, third in the nation in goals scored. But uh, Heather Stainbrook having an outstanding season on an outstanding team. She gets WAC Offensive Player of the Year, and I had a chance to talk with her about that. Um, it was awesome. Um, obviously, it's a team award. Every like every award that we receive as a team um, is or individually is a team award, and a lot goes into that. Not just one player, but yeah, I was lucky to have that. And not to be outdone, uh, the defender of the year, the defensive player of the year, Jenna Shepard, also of Utah Valley. Kendra, she's uh, made a name for herself as one of the top defenders. This is not her first award from the WAC. With that. Uh, She's about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, uh, and really anchors that defense that is a, a really a key part of Utah Valley's success this year. Yeah, she's she's the, the I don't even know if he's like the quarterback of the, <laughs> it doesn't even make sense, but she is that anchor, that back, you know, that, that back core part of it. You know, typically the goalkeeper is the one that commands that that um that back line and and really can see the whole field so they shoot that goalkeeper will talk about you know where players should be but Jenna Shepard really takes on that role she she really communicates well with the rest of the team she really lets all the defenders know hey you know slide over I got you very very uh well spoken and uh you know really gives her chance her team a chance every time because they're they're pretty solid on that back four they are on a hot streak headed into the tournament here they've won six in a row and in those six matches, they have not given up more than one goal in any of them, and that they've had three shutouts also. Jenna Shepard had a chance to talk with the WAC Defensive Player of the Year. I'm grateful. It's definitely just a great opportunity to, uh, you know, feel like you're honored, but I'm just grateful for my teammates because, like I said earlier, one award doesn't define a team and uh, – I wouldn't have gotten that award if I didn't have Sid and Soli and Ash and Adalia and all those girls behind me and in front of me doing a lot of work. So Utah Valley against Grand Canyon, that'll be the nightcap on Friday. The uh, earlier game will be New Mexico State, Seattle U. Uh, a little inside baseball here, Kendra. The home team has the option, 
heading into the tournament to to choose if they want to be the late game or the early game or match, as they say in soccer. And Seattle U choosing to play the four o'clock time slot instead of the seven o'clock time slot. Theoretically, it gives you if they were to win, gives them a, a little more rest than if they played at seven o'clock. But then, of course, if you play the later match, uh, usually a little bit bigger of a crowd. So it's kind of six and one half dozen of the other. But the Red Hawks choosing to play the early match. Yeah, very, very interesting selection. I guess, you know, they want to get them out early, get the job done and, you know, get them in bed before nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it uh, it is a little tricky if you watch our broadcast. Uh, every time we've come to Seattle, uh, when we play that four o'clock match, the sun setting is, uh, is uh, tough on the cameras uh, for about a half hour of that first match. But uh, one o'clock will be the final on Sunday and they'll get to an AQ and, selection show will be monday so a busy day on monday as we have the women's soccer selection show opening night for basketball men's and women's also uh, men's soccer will be getting underway uh or, you know on wednesday but i mean the teams will be flying out to riverside so a lot to look forward to this week that's right very exciting a lot of things coming up a lot of travel and a lot of chances for our teams to to prove exactly what they've been working towards all season. You got to love championship season. All right. For uh, Kendra Sheen, I'm Eric Danner. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.